Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Tennis fans to KickServeRadio.com, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, featuring International Tennis Hall of Famer, former world number one Mats Vilander, and Texas Longhorn all-time great, two-time All-American Johnny Levine. Your host of KickServeRadio.com is Andy Zoden. So take it away, AZ. And take it away. I will welcome everybody to kickserveradio.com, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. We are joined by the great Mats Vlander, former world number one and international tennis hall of famer, Texas Longhorn, all-time great, two-time All-American Johnny Levine. I'm Andy Zoden. And we got a great show tonight. We got a lot of great fall tennis being played. Hubert Hercotch winning in Shanghai. Layla Fernandez won a tournament. Jesse Pagula won a tournament. I had John McEnroe in town. Got some funny stories about that. But let's start, Mats, with Shanghai and Hubert Hercotch over Andre Rublev in the final. A lot of other great matches in the earlier rounds to discuss. But where do you want to start with Shanghai? Shanghai, I mean, it's hard to, to start with Hubert Hercotch because before the finals, there were some amazing matches. And obviously... Obviously, Carlos Alcaraz going down to Grigor Dimitrov was clearly one of the best matches I've seen in the last five years. Different from when Yannick Sinner plays Carlos Alcaraz because he's so ultra-aggressive, but Dimitrov threw in the slice and defense and come to the net. So that match was, was incredible. I was surprised that Alcaraz didn't win, but at the same time, maybe not really. They're figuring him, figuring him out a little bit, which was cool. Ben Shelton. I mean, Johnny, you were praising Ben Shelton a while back before we even know. I didn't even know who he was. He played some incredible uh, tennis, some incredible matches, really up and down. His match against Sebastian Corda to me was absolutely brilliant. The two polar opposites in behavior and kind of game style. But Ben Shelton, only because he lost, we talked to him before. He's learned how to play tennis to me. He still has a long way to go, but his shot selection was very dubious early on. And I think his dad, Brian, it seemed like he sort of, it looked like he sort of nearly just let him go, like go out there and and explore and do what you want to do and have fun and whatever. And he's putting it together now. I mean, Ben Shelton is my new is my new hero on the men's tour. I think he's literally the most exciting thing that's come out together with Carlos Alcaraz in, in many ways more exciting than, than uh, Sebastian Corda and Yannick Sinner because they're more predictable and they might have overall better results. But I think Ben Shelton is going to win majors because with that serve, the right conditions, it's just incredible. So Hubert Hercatch maybe has the best serve in the world because the percentage is so high, but... But wow, Ben Shelton, what an absolute brilliant tennis player already. Johnny, let's keep talking about Ben Shelton because clearly he's Matt's new man crush. And it seems like he's taken over Yannick Sinner. And, you know, that would that would stand to, to reason being that he beat Sinner in Shanghai. And we were a little tough 
on Ben Shelton after the U.S. Open because we didn't like the whole, you know, pick up the phone, dial it in thing. We thought that was a little over the top. But I don't know if you saw, he just, Matt's just made reference to the quarter match. And in that match, Shelton came from 2-6 in the final set tiebreak back to 6-all. Uh, and, and and staved off four match points, maybe even a few more before that. But then Corda goes on to win 8-6. And the exchange at the net, the embrace at the net between Corda and Shelton was so warm and so endearing and so like two great buddies and Ben Shelton all smiles in the face of a tough loss. And, and I've really never seen Sebastian Corda light up and be that positively emotional as he was with Ben Shelton. So I, I'm like Matt's man. I've really come around on this kid. Here's Johnny. Yeah, I think Ben Shelton is uh, a breath of fresh air for, for, for the tennis tour right now. And I think that uh, it kind of reminds me, you know, he won the, the NCAs and then he turned pro and he's come out like fire. I mean, it, it took him a little longer than McEnroe who won the NCAs and, I think he semied the Wimbledon maybe that summer, and then Shelton semied the Australian. So to me, there's a little similarity in in how fast uh, Shelton has has risen to the top of the game. I mean, not quite as fast as Macro, but that was really you know an anomaly when you think about it. But but Ben Shelton is headed to the top five very soon, and, and will will be a threat to win to win slams. I think he's the greatest thing in many, many years for U.S. tennis that we've, that we've seen. I think Matt's is spot on on this. Matt's one of the names that came up earlier in the week was, was Dimitrov when he took out Alcaraz, and it's really almost like we're seeing a rejuvenated version. Grigor has had good times of year at this time of year in the past, but now you would think that his best days were behind him, and now I don't know that we can be so sure. No, I think he's become – a smarter tennis player in I think he's realized that that he cannot keep going backhand to backhand for example or coming over the backhand all the time he's also realized that no one really plays the slice backhand the way he does I mean Carlos Alcaraz is he's, ha- he's having fun when he plays against Dan Evans great match at the US Open three three straight sets <laughs> They played an unbelievable match in, in Shanghai as well. So there's something about the slice backhand that keeps it out of the strike zone for Alcaraz. And I think Dimitro, I think he's figured out that, you know what, if I catch these guys and they're not perfect, he can bother them with his athleticism, with his um, variety. Uh, his forehand, I think he's hitting it better because he's understanding not how to hit it, but but how soon to hit it in a rally. And I think to me, we need players like Dimitrov because the the tennis that that comes out of a Dimitrov match when he's playing well is so different and so fun. But yeah, I mean, I don't wish uh, a bigger success to anyone. I have to say than Grigor Dimitrov out on tour. He deserves a little more. He's a great guy. He's unbelievably good for the game. Uh, and now, now he's a threat. You beat Carlos Alcaraz in an ATP 1000, you're a threat to anyone. And another guy that's a threat, Johnny, and it would be remiss before we go to break to not mention a little bit more about Sebastian Corda than just one nice exchange at the net with Ben Shelton. Because along the way to getting to the Shelton match, he takes out uh, uh, he takes out Daniil Medvedev in straight sets. Uh, he beats uh, Surindulo in straight sets. He had a great tournament and beat Ben Shelton in that third set breaker. So 
Grigor Dimitrov is a guy that we couldn't wish more success on. But Sebastian Corda, I think we could say the same. Great kid, great family, great player, great for American tennis. And not let's not just gloss over his effort at Shanghai. Uh, what did you see from him that you liked? Well, he's just been playing great tennis, and he's had a little some injuries there for a little bit. But, I mean, he shot up very quick for a young guy and has pretty much hovered into the top 40 for, for his whole career now. And he hasn't really done what a lot of people expected him to do, which was maybe get into the top 20. But you can't discount a kid that, that young that's hung around the top 40 uh, for his entire career and, and, and came out very, very quick. He's got all the shots. I think he's got maturing to do. Um, I think he's, you know, the pressure has gotten to him here and there. He, ha- he had Nadal on the ropes once and let that one go. Indian Wells, yeah. Yeah, at Indian Wells. But but he's he's shown that he can play with the best players in the world. So, gosh, when you think about Corda and Shelton, uh, and we're not even talking about Tommy Paul, Taylor Fritz, Francis Tiafo. I mean, those two right there are definite top 10 guys. Easily to be their top five guys. When we come back, because we got a lot to get to tonight, but we promise that this show is going to go fast and furious. So we're going to we're going to stick to that. John McEnroe was in Denver over the weekend doing a charity event. I was the MC. You cannot be serious. And I'll tell you the only reason that John McEnroe even bothered to give me the time of day when we come back. And this is KickServeRadio.com, part of Tennis Channel Podcast Network. A little Johnny Mac talk when we come back. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. guys, Sarah Z here with a kick serve, quick serve with my friend and nutrition guru, Courtney Ward with Body Fuse. Courtney, as we ladies start to get, oh, shall I say more advanced or more experienced in our life? How about just body weight and body maintenance? That for me is becoming, I, I think, tougher by the day. Boy, you're not alone. And along with our sports performance line, Body Fuse also offers a full weight loss line. And we have an, a fantastic product called Purify, which kickstarts your weight loss. It's a GI detox. It's a water cut as well. So it's really great for bloating, irregularity, um, and people love it to kickstart a weight loss program. And then with that, we couple a product called Blackwall Shredded, kind of a cool name. It's a daytime thermogenic um, and also has a nootropic in it. It's not super high stimulant, but it's just a, a good mental focus. And it just basically kickstarts your metabolic rate. So that's a daytime thermogenic. We also offer a nighttime thermogenic called Midnight Burn. And this has melatonin and GABA as well as a thermogenic. So it kind of continues that metabolic rate 
uh, bump, if you will. So the, these three products are, are sort of like the magic trinity. I don't want to say magic pills because there's no such thing, but midnight burn at night, Blackwell shredded in the day, uh, and then purify to kind of kickstart your system and clean out your GI tracts. And in addition, purify along with the detox, it allows us to start absorbing nutrients a little bit more efficiently as well. So those three products are just a fantastic trio and very, very popular. Fantastic. And one more time, Body Fuse. BodyFuseUSA.com. Well, I'm Sarah Z. She's Courtney with Body Fuse. And now back to more tennis talk with the Kickserve Radio Boys. Welcome back, everybody. KickServeRadio.com, Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Matt's Vlander, Johnny Levine. I'm Andy Zoden. And congrats again to Hubert Hercotch and all the players that have been playing so well this fall. We're going to talk about Layla Fernandez. We're going to talk about Jesse Pagula because they had wins. But first, as I mentioned before, we went to break. Johnny Mack was in town for a big charity event, and I was fortunate enough to get to MC that event at the Denver Tennis Park. And it was it, there was a little bit of tennis on Friday with the kids, but the big thing Saturday night was an auction and a dinner party and the Johnny Smythe band. So John's band was the was 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 rocking the room, and I listened to the sound check and I you know I had some fun with it. And of course, whenever Johnny Mac is in the room, uh, it's it's buzzing. And um, you know I, I will say this about John Matz, and and you can confirm or deny it, or Johnny, you can chime in as well, but. John's not one to, to, to stand around and make small talk with people. Like, that's not necessarily his favorite thing to do. Is that fair enough? Yeah, I mean, I can't even imagine. He should, what, did he shake your hand because you're wearing those Texas cowboy boots? And I geez, was, no, I was wearing tennis shoes and a tux. I think that's what is attractive. <laughs> tennis shoes and a tux <laughs> for the occasion. And when, I, and when he walked by, I said I was emceeing, and he looked at me, and he kind of said, good luck. And I wasn't sure how to take that, um, but I, I'll just assume that he actually meant it. But, uh, but actually, the only chance I really had to speak to him um, about anything substantive was when we were chatting about you and, and, and getting caught up with, you know, how you're doing and stuff. And there's been a couple of things that you've been dealing with, ailments and stuff, and he was very concerned, you know, to make sure that, uh, that you're going to be with us for a while. Um, but I tell you, he he is an amazing, an amazing, iconic figure. And for Denver, Colorado, we don't have opportunities like that. A lot of money was raised that night. And you guys will appreciate that when I was first introduced, I was the first one to come out on stage. And they said, well, we're going to just say you're the host of kickserveradio.com. Maybe just talk a little bit about yourself and tell a little bit more. So I come on stage. I'm not wearing these glasses that I need to read. And I said, hi, everybody. Great to be here tonight. I was asked to say a couple things about myself and I'm pretending like I'm looking at this script and I go, one of the greatest moments of my career was my finals match against Bjorn Borg at Wimbledon in 1980. And I'm like, oh, wait, sorry, wrong page. And I put on my glasses and pretended that I was misreading his part of the <laughs> script. Yeah, I got about that much of a laugh out of the crowd too. They were just like, okay, keep going. But anyway, I, I had a lot of fun with it. And I'll tell you what, that, that they rock that band pretty good. They yeah. play a very, um, they play a very cool cover set, and uh, it, it was great. But the 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 one thing that John was willing to say, hey, come here and, and talk to me. What's with Matt's? 
and uh, was very concerned about you and calls you one of his dearest friends. And I just thought that that was very cool that you guys have that relationship. Well, he's real to me. He's become uh, real. Like it was hard in the beginning when you uh, when I met him the first time and when you played against him the first time. And obviously the way that Johnny, did you, by the way, did you play Johnny Mac? Played him in 1987. Ooh. Oh, doubles. Doubles first round. One of the greatest stories ever, by the way. Tournament of champions for still center court. Me and Bud Schultz yep. played Johnny Mack and Vetus Gerolitis. Oh my goodness. Classic. It's a pretty good match. Five and three, I think. But uh tell them about the warm-up. What was the story? Yeah, what was the story, Johnny? <laughs> there was there is a story to it. Uh, <laughs> I love this. It's kind of a famous story. I was a little nervous on the being on the court with Johnny Mack. You know, I always looked up to him and uh, get on the court and I'm warming up with John and first shot I hit, uh, shanked it off the wood frame and there was wind and that, that, that ball went up so high. I think it went into the last row, the highest row in the stadium. <laughs> I don't know where it went. I couldn't even follow it. And John saw the nerves so he comes up to the net and he kind of just feeds me a ball to kind of get me back into the warm-up. Didn't he, didn't he like toss it to you? He kind of tossed it to me. He wanted <laughs> no, to make sure he, I he tossed it ball. to him in a pro match. <laughs> so I actually give Johnny Mack a lot of credit for not embarrassing me more than I did myself. So uh, we got through it and I uh, warmed up a little bit. And Schultz uh, had my back and, and it was it was quite a quite a thing for me to get through that match and have that experience, especially also getting on the court with Vetus Gerolitis. Matt's what I did was I went out, I was supposed to intro him and then they changed the thing. So it wasn't an intro. It's just a go out and talk about him kind of thing. So I said, well, you know, what I want to talk about tonight is what makes John McEnroe so special above all else. And I said, you know, was it the, you know, in 77, he gets to the semis at Wimbledon, he loses to Connors and four still goes to Stanford after that. Can you imagine? I said, you cannot be serious. And that was the only one I dropped, I promise. And then I went on to ask, was it a few more things? I said, no, no, here's what it was. It was the fact that John did things so differently and so uniquely that in the beginning, we didn't even realize what we were seeing. And he had this incredible skill set that, that everybody tried to emulate. But I said, according to Matt's Vlander, and he saw it from the other side of the net. We all saw it from the crowd or on TV. But Matt's actually stood across the net from him and said, a lot of people tried but no one else could execute what John was doing. You couldn't even practice with anybody to prepare for a match against him because nobody could play like him. And so therefore, according to Matt's, and I happen to agree, John McEnroe was one of one. And that is what makes him more special. Did I, did I nail it or, or, or what do you think? hundred percent. He was okay, so different from everybody. Jimmy Connors was different too, Johnny. I'm sure you played Jimmy because the ball he hit was so flat and sometimes with a little side spin or slice, whatever, even when he drove through the backhand, came out with a bit of slice. John, the way that he hit it was very difficult to read. No idea what he was going to do. Obviously, he played with the same grip. Uh, on all shots, serve, volleys, forehands, backhand, doesn't matter if it was slice or topspin. So you could never tell what he was going to do until the very end. And then, of course, because of the simplicity, uh, it was maybe easier for him to hit these little drop volleys, whatever, but the hands that John has uh, still are, I think, second to none. 
But that's not his greatness. I think his understanding, and I think this is something we realized later because of his commentating and because of the way that he played on the ATP Champions Tour and the way that he's so fired, his understanding of not not only everybody else's game, but his own understanding of his own game, I think is incredibly uh, overlooked. Like there were certain things he couldn't do, but he wouldn't try. But he understood the the effect that he had coming in off of somebody's first serve, just blocking it and coming like, what are you doing? You can't, no one does that, you don't. And then he would just stand there and he wouldn't look intimidating. That was the big, the, the hardest, the hardest and the easiest part about playing John was that when he got to the net, it looked like you had space to pass him compared to Stefan Edberg or Boris Beck or Patrick Rafter. You, they were all over. Yannick Noah, like, oh, my God, they're all over. John sort of, he sort of crawled to the net, never bent his knees, really. Didn't really bend his back either. Unbelievable half volleys and such great anticipation that you thought, oh, there's an opening over there. I'm going there. And then suddenly you hit it. And he's standing there rather than stretching for it. So, of course, when he stands there, it's easier to hit these drop volleys. But but he's real. He's got a heart of gold. Uh, it's a big heart. He's always helped me out with with a charity event that I ran for uh, Epidermal Bulosa, which one, a couple of my kids have it. And he was always there. He was the first one. After a few years, I stopped calling him. He called me. Wow. He said, I'm in Eindhoven playing an ATP Champions Tour, and I packed my bags and brought them to the finals so I could get on a flight and be back in New York on on uh, on Monday and just get there in time for wow. your event. I'm like, really? Like, I hate to ask him, but eh, amazing. So to me, yeah, he's a he's a very, very, he's a good guy, big heart, and I wish everybody would meet him and find that out because he really deserves it. Well, I'll tell you what, let's call it a segment on that note right there and call it the John McEnroe segment because I think it's worthy of it. And he did so much for Denver tennis in just one weekend here. So speaking on behalf of Denver and Colorado tennis, I want to thank John for doing what he did and for helping us do what we were able to do over the weekend. The whole town is still buzzing over it. And uh, John McEnroe, thank you very much. It was a real treat. All right, when we come back, lots to get to. Layla Fernandez, Jesse Pagula, and Johnny, I know that you've got a little bit of uh, a wrap-up on what's been going on, or an update, I should say, out on the Challenger Tour, because your boy, Zach Shvida, has been tearing it up with a hat trick recently. So uh, we'll talk about that when we come back on KickServeRadio.com, part of Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Be right back. Hey guys, AZ here with Tennis Channel Podcast Network, and I am joined by Diadem Business Development Manager, Doug Mouch. And Doug, let's face it, pickleball right now is all of the rage. However, it hasn't been exactly a seamless transition of bringing pickleball in with some of the, the tennis clubs. And one of the pain points has been the sound of pickleball. And Diadem has really taken the bull by the horns with regard to some new technology that you guys have out that I think all pickleball players, tennis players, or people that have a concern about the sound of pickleball are going to be very excited. Tell us about it. This past November, we launched the Vice Paddle, and we knew it wouldn't be conforming to USAPA rules because it has the EVA foam in it. That EVA foam causes the paddle to have a little more of a trampoline effect, but our theory was. It's going to help tennis elbow or pickleball elbow. 
help wrist issues. It will help people that need a little more power that don't have it. But the biggest factor that we have found that's helped many country clubs and communities is the noise factor. So this EVA foam device paddle, it really does not make any noise whatsoever. It's a very solid noise, more of a tennis racket. So it kind of mutes that plastic wiffle ball noise to almost zero. So it gives you a little more power, in in some cases a lot more. It's arm-friendly. It's audio-friendly. Where can people go online to find out more about Diadem's wide array of pickleball equipment and tennis equipment? Well, our website is diademsports.com. The paddle is the Diadem Vice. Go online, check it out. I'm Andy Zoden. Doug, thank you so much. We appreciate it, and good luck with all you guys are doing. Thank you, Andy. Really appreciate your time. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, everybody. Final segment, kickserveradio.com, Tennis Channel Podcast Network. We've been talking Shanghai. We've been talking Ben Shelton. We've been talking Johnny Mack. And now it's time to go from Johnny Mack to Johnny Levine. And Johnny, you've got an update on what's been going on on the Challenger Tour. And it's basically all about one dude, and that's Zach Schweider. He's won three straight. Yes, Andy. Uh, Zach Schweider, who's a 20-year-old from San Diego, has been tearing it up on the Challenger Tour. He's won three in a row. He won uh, the Kerry Challenger, and he beat Rinky Hijikata, who's now 70 in the world. He beat him in the finals. And then the next one, he he played uh, Tiburon, California, uh, another challenger. I think it was an $80,000 challenger where he had won it the year before and actually had beaten Ben Shelton in the finals wow, of that I one. Remember that, yeah. So he repeated in Tiburon, which was a great effort. And then he gets to the finals and, and plays uh, uh, an 18-year-old kid who played last year as a freshman at Stanford, Nahesh Basavaretti, who... If that's really how you pronounce his last name, that's a good effort. Do you really think that's the way? I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> well that's done, why I, I can't. I can't dispute that, so... Can we ask Matt if he knows it? I don't know, but go I think you. I think you nailed it, Johnny. Oh, well, I so I, I'm gonna I'm 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 gonna say it again. Basavaretti. I think I got it. I think you got it. But there's a lot of young guys that are just playing some big time tennis that are showing that they can compete. But Svita is really, really someone to look out for. I think he's going to be in the top hundred here before we know it. He's a a guy that doesn't have a huge game, but he's solid off both wings. Serves fine. Serves well. And he doesn't miss, and he's a heck of a competitor. So let's look out for Zach Svitek in, in, moving into the next Will year. Will do, and it's certainly time for you to start uh, keeping an eye on the Challenger Tour because, of course, the next 
Arizona Tennis Classic will be right around the corner. It comes up fast every single year. So, Matt's Jessica Pagula wins this week on the women's tour, and so does Layla Fernandez. Now, we really haven't seen much. Jessie's been going good. I mean, obviously, she's three in the world, and uh, she just won recently, um, not in Cincinnati, but the week before. When Remember when it was uh, Pagula that beat Schwantek and then won the tournament, and then Goff beat Schwantek and won the tournament? So whatever was before Cincy. So Pagula's been going good, but Fernandez we hadn't really seen or heard a whole lot from since that magical U.S. Open uh, that she made to you know to the final and lost to Emma Raducanu. So how important is it for Layla Fernandez's confidence and for her to be able to stay relevant to the level that we were expecting her to coming off of that U.S. Open a couple of years ago? Yeah, it's huge. It's huge to win a tournament. It doesn't matter. Uh, I mean, both of the those tournaments that Pegula and Fernandez won, I think, were the the sort of the lowest tier of the of the actual official WTA tournaments on tour. But that doesn't matter. They need to they need to win. For Jessica Pegula, it's important just to win because I think that's what she's missing. She hasn't won as many tournaments as as you normally would when you're ranked three in the world. So for her, just to win, I think, is huge. Uh, but she's already a great player, Leila. Fernandez. Um, yeah, it's been a tough time. I was never, uh, I've always been a huge fan of her, uh, her personality, the way she plays tennis, but it's very, very risky the way she plays tennis because she takes the ball so early. So I think she's, she needs confidence. I think you need confidence when you play that close to the baseline. You take everything on the rise. I think you need a lot of confidence. And confidence is what you get when you win tournaments. More than anything, you get confidence for both of them, I should say. So great, great weekend for those ladies. News, Johnny, that is really good for tennis fans. And we'll we'll, we'll close out with this tonight, is that in 2024, we will see the return of two multiple-time major champions. On the men's side, Rafael Nadal. On the women's side, Naomi Osaka. Of the two, who do you expect to be more competitive right out of the gate among this 2024 field? Obviously, Osaka a lot younger. Obviously, Nadal is Nadal. Wow, Andy, that is a fantastic question. <laughs> I, I, I get one a year about where I... <laughs> I mean, you really... that that's That's a good one because it's a tough call. I mean... I was talking to uh, someone earlier today about the return of Nadal, and it's so difficult to count that guy out. I mean, the first thought is that, you know, he's been out for such a long time. How is he going to come back? How can he compete with these young guys? He's been banged up, but he's Rafael Nadal, right? And this guy fights like no other maybe the, the 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 biggest fighter we've ever seen in the game of tennis. So it how do you count a guy out like that, especially at, at the French Open? So I'm going to dance around the question, Before and now I'll I'm going to go to Osaka, who um, probably has had the most well-needed break of her career. I mean, this is someone that is so talented, that has such a huge game, that we all thought was going to dominate women's tennis. I mean, right out of the gate, I believe she has four slams to her name and at a very young age. And we, we thought she was going to be a, a, a slam winner that, that had over 10 slams just like that. So if, if, if what I would think is the, the mental rest that she's had, she could come back firing. She's got the kid, maybe no, no, the pressure's off. She's going to handle it better. So 
Am I answering your question or am I just kind of dancing a little bit? Maybe going to leave it to Matt. I'll tell you what you're doing. You're what you're doing, Johnny, is you're dancing in the dark. And the reason that I say that is because Matt's and I, we do this thing on Zoom and Johnny is like in a pitch black, like he's like trying not, he's in New York and he's trying not to like Matt's and I at least have the lights on in the room that we're on. Johnny, the, Johnny's doing it. It's like an Alfred Hitchcock movie and you're watching all you can see are these like these glasses. We know he's in there somewhere and we can hear him, but you are dancing in the dark if I've ever seen it. And that's fine because yes. I don't know that I would be able to answer it, which is why I ask the questions because I don't know how well I would answer it. But Matt's you are always very good at it. And so Nadal versus Osaka in 24, who's more successful? Well, clearly Naomi Osaka is going to make me more nervous watching her because I think that, and and I'm only uh, speaking from uh, experience, that uh, towards the end of my career and a little bit sooner, earlier than that, there were times when I walked on the court and I was so nervous because I wasn't sure that I was going to mentally and emotionally show up for the match. It's much easier to get out on the, on the court and be competitive physically uh, than it is to be competitive mentally. So for me, Nadal, no question. Nadal is going to go out there and he's going to mentally give it all. He's going to be perfectly fine. He's going to be a little nervous. Like, like we all were when we really care. Uh, And then of course we're nervous. Nervous that physically he's not going to make it through, but but he's not going to. He, he most probably is going to play his last year. Is what we've heard with Naomi Osaka. I think you could practice all you want, but then you go onto the court and you're playing someone that you most probably would have beaten easily in the past, and suddenly you don't even you can't even be assured yourself that you're going to want to be out there and that you're going to be wanting to fight, however bad or good it feels that you're going to give it all emotionally because. Tactically, we can. Physically, we can. But emotionally, it's not. You can't just switch a button and say, "Okay, I'm here. I'm ready to." Uh, you can try hard. That's easy. But to actually want to win a tennis match, that is nerve wracking to not know the answers. So I say that Nadal will reach his potential, whatever it is that physically he can do. But Naomi Osaka. Uh, I think emotionally, it's not going to be that um, straightforward. I hope it is. And I hope she picks up where she left because we need her. She's great for the game and she's an unbelievable player. Uh, and she's uh, uh, very fun to watch. And she has opened up lately. I think when she started talking about her mental mental health issues, I feel like she opened up way more than, than when she was actually at her best. And uh, I think we find out who she is. But I'm a little nervous. I'm nervous for her that I really, really just hope that she comes out and enjoys it at the same time as, yeah, I'm going to go out there and win this match, however bad or good I'm playing. So good luck to both of them. I think Johnny made a great point, and I think that the maturation process on the women's tour is often turbocharged when you become a mom, pure and simple. We've seen it from Vika. I mean, Serena, by the time it happened, she was already so far down the road with her career. We saw it with Kim Kleisters. It has happened before. And by the way, there's a lot of moms out on the tour right now that are kicking ass. So I think there's something to be said for having the perspective of that there are things more important in your life than this tennis match that allow you to perhaps relax on the court and find that as a place of sort of peaceful escape, maybe than changing diapers earlier that morning. What would we know about that? But, uh, but anyway, that'll be very interesting. All right. So before we go, I just want to let everybody know that we are adding another person to this show and he will be joining us on the next show only on a limited basis. 
but that is a huge rock star friend of ours that's going to be joining the show from time to time. And we are very, very excited about the fact that Kevin Cronin of REO Speedwagon will be joining our show to do a little rock and roll in tennis uh, expose once every three or four shows. We're going to hear a few things from him, but it's going to be regular and it's going to be super cool. In the meantime, we got way more tennis to be played this year, and we will be talking about that as well. For Matt Vlander, Johnny Levine, I'm Andy Zoden. See you guys soon. Thanks for hanging in there with us and enjoy the tennis this fall. <laughs>